When is the right time to tase a handcuffed man? About to find out today, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Civic Cipher, where our mission is to foster allyship, empathy, and understanding. I am your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. You are once again tuned in to Civic Cipher. Indeed. As we broadcast from the Hip Hop Weekly Studios, I would like to ask you to stick around because we're going to be discussing quite a few things today, including what police accountability looks like three years after a moment in time when we were really having the opportunity to see what police accountability looks like, what it looks like when police were accountable to the public and not the other way around. Um, Since then, that reality has deteriorated. And so there's a few examples that have come across our desk in recent weeks and we've compiled them into today's episode uh, for the first half. And for the second half, of course, we are going to be discussing, indeed, when is the right time to tase a handcuffed man? And what does it mean when you're tasing a handcuffed man? That is a question that has resulted from a recent video that has been going viral on our social media And uh, I implore you to check it out um, while you're listening to the show. Before we get to that point in the show, you can hit at Civic Cypher and see exactly what we're talking about. But we're going to actually play a little bit of the audio for you as well so that you can understand if for some reason you can't get to the social media. But again, we're talking about police accountability and what happens when there is a lack of police accountability. Exactly how far do police go? What do police feel they can get away with? And why do they keep doing this is it because they don't fear the consequences or are we just seeing what happens when people get caught but first and foremost it's time for some ebony excellence we'd like to start the show off this way q why don't you take this one shall i you shall (laughs) this week's ebony excellence sponsored by actively black where they believe there is greatness in our dna Mm. this comes from npr tracy chapman was honored with Song of the Year for her 1988 folk anthem, Fast Car, at the Country Music Awards on Wednesday, becoming the first black songwriter to ever win the award. Fast Car peaked at number six on Billboard's Hot 100 charts following its release more than 30 years ago. The song was nominated for three Grammys when it first came out, and Chapman won Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. But it got a second win in recent months after singer Luke Combs came out with a cover of the song in april his version peaked at number two on the hot 100 chart and one single of the year at the cmas in nashville uh, she says quote i'm sorry i couldn't join you all tonight end quote uh quote it's truly an honor for my song to be newly recognized after 35 years of its debut thank you to the cmas and a special thanks to luke and all of the fans of fast car end quote combs called fast car his favorite song his acceptance speech for single of the year Uh, he said quote first and foremost i want to thank tracy chapman for writing one of the best songs of all time never intended for that i just recorded it because i love the song so much it's meant so much for me throughout my entire life it's the first favorite song i ever had from the time i was four years old and that's from uh, luke combs who won that award right and uh, we want to shout out npr for the uh, article and of course, shout out Tracy Chapman for again being the first, the first black songwriter ever to win the award of Song of the Year. And both triumphant and sad at the same time. Yeah, yeah. 
but you know, progress is progress. So we'll take that. All right. A lack of police accountability, man. This does not feel like a new topic for us. Um, <laughs> you asked a, a question at the top of the show that I almost answered in real time. What's I had that? to bite my tongue to be quiet. What's that? Um, the, 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 when is the right time to tase a handcuffed man? Mm. My answers are going to sound like a joke because it's ridiculous, but it's the only time I, I actually had a moment of critical thinking to try to go through when would be a good time to tase someone who's in handcuffs. And I came up with, if that person has you in the figure four leg lock <laughs> and you just so happen to have access to a taser or stun gun or some type of uh, way of protecting yourself to get out of that uh, once uh, famous finishing move in uh, professional wrestling. Indeed. Indeed. You know, it's funny. Um, we're, we're obviously going to develop you know, that thought a little bit more for the second half of the show. But I think that after seeing that video, I'm, I'm kind of which video, the, the video of the female officer in Alabama tasing the black to our head listeners and cuffed to the car. That was a little tongue in cheek. <laughs> right? Which video? Which video? <laughs> because we see that many. Yeah. Or that would actually be a real question. Had we not just, you know, sure, sure. And, you know, the, here's the funny part about that. Before I get to the point I'm trying to make, this whole show, if we're being honest, is pointed toward that specific police interaction. And these stories that we're going to talk about now are just kind of really what frames what police accountability looks like these days. Police who? Exactly. Exactly my point. Okay. I'll and so having that sort of climate, having a, a public that's either apathetic or is i want to say like intellectually um disinterested disinterested disengaged sure. I but i don't know if it's if it's apathy more than kind of a numbness right i think if there's like for instance you ever been to someone's house and they don't change the battery in their smoke detector and keeps beeping to you that is incredibly annoying mm -hmm. That's been the case for them for however long. They don't even hear it anymore. It's not actual apathy. They've just tuned it out. Mm -hmm. sure. right? This happens so often. Like, What am I supposed to be angry and outraged mm -hmm. perpetually? For some, some apathy is the exact right way to describe how they feel about this. It doesn't affect them. So there's no, re no, no reason for them to actually care. Mm -hmm. But I think for... Uh, an unsettling amount of people and it's very very discouraging i think the the battery has been beeping for so long they don't hear it anymore and i like i like how you use that analogy because the fact is is that that battery's been beeping since everybody listening to our voices right now was born and indeed before they were born that battery has been beeping and it feels like sometimes we're the only ones pointing this out to everyone else like hey does anyone else hear this battery beeping Y'all tripping. Right. And so that's a problem. But the, the, the result of that, the ripple effect of that is that police brutality, police misconduct, you know, these sorts of things, they end up creating a climate where other police feel like they are invincible. There are no consequences for their actions. Uh, a certain group of people are disposable or, you know, whatever. And, and, Maybe they feel this way across the board because, you know, 
police violence does happen against white people as well. I'm not, it's not as prevalent, but you start to realize just how removed from real, real consequences police can be. And one of the things that I find particularly problematic with those people that have intellectually speaking distanced themselves from indeed what is happening is that a way that they place a, a wall in between where they are in terms of their argument and where we are is to say that black people have selective outrage that black people have a victim mentality, these sorts of things, right? And I, I want to focus on selective outrage for a second because, you know, when people start to look at things like, why are you so mad about police brutality? This affects such a relatively speaking small amount of black people. You guys have so many other problems. I think that it's those people that have ignored the fact that there are there is a critical process that we need to go through in order to bring about a more equitable society for all of us. And some changes start with police reform. Some changes start with um, dealing with voter disenfranchise disenfranchisement. Some changes start with reforming the carceral system. Some changes start with dealing with poverty and economic inequality in this country. And then other changes still start, you know, in the textbooks, in medical textbooks, in reparations, let's be honest, you know, they, we'll talk about that for our way black history. Fact. And then you have the evergreen go back to your country. Man, listen, that, that's always a solution. Talk to him, Q. You know what I mean? So let's talk about what a lack of police accountability looks like. Okay. So Jalen Walker, we talked about Jalen Walker on the show. Um, he is the person that was, you know, they were attempting to apprehend him on a traffic stop, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was an equipment stop, too. So not speeding, not yeah, not doing something criminal, mm -hmm. just maybe not having the money to get your taillight repaired or something, something like, that. like that or your windows being tinted darker than they should be. There you go. So he keeps driving. Police start pursuing. A lot of police get behind him. And then the police say that he fired a gun out of the car in their direction. The police say this, right? Um, one shot. Uh, and finally, he ends up parking the car somewhere. He gets out of the car. The police say he reached in his waistband and held his hands up in such a way that they felt like he still had the gun. Um, and they shot him a bunch of times. And the gun, turned out, was in the car. I, I want to be a little more specific. Please. They shot him 96 times. Yeah, so that's a, what a bunch of a bunch of times, you know, right. that, I didn't even want to let that live so vaguely. <laughs> I appreciate that. Actually, let me let me read almost that means almost 10 officers emptied clips. Oh yeah, well, uh they were reloading and continuing to shoot. So, um so let's let's read this uh this is from the Black Information Network, uh, binnews.com if you want to check. So, police previously said Walker failed to stop when officers tried to pull him over for Minor equipment violations in June 2022, according to police, Walker fired a shot from his vehicle during the pursuit. At one point during the encounter, Walker jumped out of his still-moving vehicle and attempted to flee on foot. According to st a state investigation of the incident, uh, officers initially tried to use tasers to stop Walker, but police believed he was going to fire again after the 25-year-old reached toward his waistband 
and raised a hand per the state investigation. Walker had left his gun in the car. Officers fired, officers fired a total of 96 shots within seven seconds, 46 of those hitting Walker. Um, so what we're talking about in terms of a lack of accountability is that none of the eight officers involved were charged after an internal investigation revealed these findings. Right? Now, this isn't a community oversight committee. This isn't um, a place where Walker's family could bring forth evidence or hire a separate investigator or anything. This was an internal investigation, and Q has a great analogy about police investigating themselves um, because... And, of course, finding no, no, no wrong. There you go. There you go. We looked at us, and we thought we was cool. <laughs> so there you go. All right, so y'all back to work. Cool. So y'all be cool. <laughs> and people don't realize that the consequences of that is that trust is further eroded nationally. And, and it has been eroded for such a long time. People wonder why black people don't really interact with police, don't communicate with police, don't have nothing to say to the police. And then these things happen and people still wonder that this is, this is a, a gross misuse of force. This is indeed an act of violence. I believe that this is anti-black and the fact of the matter is that even if Jalen Walker was suicidal and he wanted death by cop and, you know, the worst optics, even if that's what he wanted from this, you and I have seen because of the amount of footage and stories that come across our desk time and again, officers confronting people like that and at least attempting to deescalate a situation prior to letting off shots. And when they do let off the shots, Seldom do we hear of stories that involve non-black people that involve this amount of shots where, where a person's not holding a gun. I love your grace and your, you know, benefit of the doubt and saying seldom. I don't have a single account. Yeah. Well, I, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to cover all bases. No, no, no. Someone I, might I, say that. I, I, I remember this I one time. I appreciate that you come from that place. Yeah. My, my, if my memory serves me correctly, not only do I not have an account, but I have actual accounts to the contrary, where police are actually put in danger, forcefully, aggressively, mm -hmm. forwardly by someone that's not black and refuse to use their weapons. Mm -hmm. Someone who's armed and mm -hmm. trying to harm them. Sure. And already harming others. Sure. Sure. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've seen him in the back of the police car getting McDonald's or Burger King or whatever. We've seen him. I saw a video the other day of a guy that was actively attacking an officer with a stick. And the officer had the gun drawn. It was like, drop the stick, drop the stick. And the guy just swinging at him. The officer keeps backing up. I seen a, a video of a guy hitting officers with their car and oh, yeah. ramming them. Still, no need for, uh, for this to turn violent. Yeah. And 96 shots is just kind of like. And I think you said m multiple officers reloaded. Um, I, I know that there was there was reloading. I can't say how many officers did, but um, imagine that. Oh, I emptied my clip. Let me. The one guy who we who we all already shot. Let me reload to make sure that we're safe. So again, that's why, you know, because mm -hmm. the research that we've done, excuse me, <clears throat> the research that we've done has shown that that's why you would. That's why they shoot and reload just to make sure that they're safe mm -hmm. from the guy who's <laughs> my bad. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Well, again, I think it shows uh, a disregard for human life mm. and. Black life. Thank you. Okay. I don't know that Black they have life. a disregard for human life. But if that was the only story, that would be way too much. So allow me to add some additional 
um, framing for you that helps again frame the second part of the show here. So Elijah McClain's death, as you know, as we talked about, this was a hard story for us to talk about. I remember this one because Elijah McClain was such a kind person. We saw the videos. We saw, you know, he was, uh, I believe he might've been on the spectrum or something like that. There was, he had like a, a, a I know he had a, a blood condition or some sort of health condition that he was caused like, him to get cold. He was a, a soft, mild, kind, warm, young person. Oh, and he glowed all those all those adjectives. And I said soft intentionally, not as a pejorative, but this kid was a soft person intentionally, not uh, not some coward of some sort, but no, just meant no one any harm. Even while being harmed, I love you and forgive me. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So when we had to cover this story, we obviously did our research on Elijah McClain and we saw these videos. We got a chance to see who he was his temperament and then of course there was the video um or the audio from the body cam and the video or whatever of him saying all these kind things as he was being harmed by the officers um he was wearing this a ski mask because he had a, a blood uh, or a, a health condition I, I forget what it was i believe this was in colorado in colorado yes you want a ski mask in the mountains, folks, yeah, where it's cold in the winter time. I believe I, I looked this up too. I feel like it was like 66 degrees or something like that. And because he had like a blood condition, it caused him to feel cold, even more cold than, than I would feel or you would feel. Right. And so he dressed warm, probably at a point when other people would be fine. So again, he's walking home. He's got the ski mask on. Someone calls the police on him because he's suspicious. The police show up and he dies. He doesn't have a gun. He's not never harmed anybody. He's not intending to harm anyone. He's trying to communicate, trying to explain everything to him. And, and somehow this would lead you to believe those officers showed up with the intentions of doing harm to someone. And that's speculative, of course. But you show up with, without the intention of doing harm to someone and maybe the unarmed young person is still alive today mm -hmm. and again if that was it that would be too much but the officer who's responsible for choking the life out of him as he was saying all these things um everything that q said he said i, I implore you to go look up the transcript or, or watch the the body cam footage again elijah mclean i think he was in aurora colorado if you're not familiar with the story how he was kind and apologizing he's like i'm just different i don't mean any harm i'm not i'm not saying that this is exactly what he said but effectually this is what he was communicating to the officers and then he lost consciousness and then his life was over uh, shortly thereafter the officer that choked him to death is now back on the job with two hundred thousand dollars in back pay that's what a lack of police accountability looks like. He killed him. He killed him. He's no, he can't live another day of his life. Any goals, any dreams, anything like that, gone. This officer is back on the job to potentially do it again with an extra $200,000 in his pocket because there's no accountability. He's, Elijah is gone. We, we saw him. You could see his spirit. That's the type of spirit that deserves to live. We need more humans like that. He's gone. Not drawing breath. They had to bury him. 
And that officer is an officer again with $200,000 of back pay. Business as usual. How hurtful is that? I'm, I'm, I'm past hurt. You know what I mean? Like it's, this has turned into anger. It's, and again, perpetual anger to, to live as a, as an informed black person in this country and in our space where part of what we do for a living to do right by you, our listeners and, and our partners is to have to ingest all of this information on an almost daily basis. It takes a lot for us to mm. not be perpetually furious. Mm. You'd have to be unaware mm-hmm. to be calm or find some way to compartmentalize like we try to do yeah sharing the load of this of this burden and, and this trauma and everything that comes with it it is a really impossible ask real quick for everybody that does you know reach out to us on social media we appreciate all of that q and i do our best to i don't appreciate take, all of it take, some well, of the people are really really some mean. people yeah but we appreciate the people that are concerned about our mental health oh yeah and we take we try to take good care of each other so we appreciate all that now hang on now, if this officer that killed Elijah McClain, um, being back on the job with $200,000 in his pocket wasn't enough, or if that wasn't too much, how about this? This comes from the Black Information Network. The goon squad of Mississippi, those cops, turns out they got away with years of police brutality. And, and this is, goes back to what I've been saying time and again. We only know about these instances because these are the police that get caught. Or when they get caught. But indeed, um, the story goes, and I'll read a bit. Several deputies in Mississippi's Rankin County Sheriff's Department have engaged in excessive force, police brutality, and abuse unchecked for years, according to reports. The department was initially thrust in the national spotlight after five deputies from the department who referred to themselves as the goon squad tortured and sexually assaulted Michael Jenkinson. Jenkins and Eddie Terrell Parker, two black men, during a raid earlier this year. According to court documents... And incident reports obtained by Business Insider, the violent incident among several ex- is among several examples of police brutality that the officers have gotten away with for years. Two of the officers involved in the torture of Jenkins Parker, Christian Deadman, and Hunter Elward, were also reportedly present for the deaths of two other black men in 2019 and 2021. One incident report reveals that Edwards punched Damian Cameron at least three times and tased him before his death, according to Monica Lee, Cameron's mother. Deputies knelt on his back for over 15 minutes despite complaints that he couldn't breathe. Elward and Deadman were also present for the police shooting of Pierre Woods in February 2019, according to documents. So, again, what happens when this stuff goes unchecked is that it keeps happening. They double down. They triple down. And you need to know about these things because how do we change it if you don't? 